to Multiverse of Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And today we're talking about... More Age of Apocalypse. Or as I like to call it, post-apocalyptic bullshit. Uh, so there is stuff that came after the Age of Apocalypse series, because they did a 10-year anniversary and then... A few years after that, they did some spinoff stuff, so we are going to be covering the 2005 X-Men Age of Apocalypse, the crossover with Uncanny X-Force, and then that leads into the Age of Apocalypse, not necessarily miniseries, but maxi-series that we're going to be covering, and we're also going to be looking back at what happened to a few of the bigger characters in the series. I wonder if they're going to do a anniversary thing every 10 years or not i could see them doing it because they did essentially do a 20th anniversary because secret wars was the 20th anniversary yeah it is that popular enough of a series Mm -hmm. that they do have cool things they could still explore yeah i agree well the uh, first thing that we're going to be talking about is the age of apocalypse one shot which consisted of four short stories And this sort of led into the X-Men Age of Apocalypse series. The first one is Talking About My Generation by Scott Lobdell with Alvin Lee on pencils, Scott Hepburn on inks, Gary Jung on colors, and Dave Sharp on letters. And we see the X-Men fighting some Sentinels, and this is before most of the events of Age of Apocalypse had happened. Colossus doesn't want to fight anymore. He's sad because of everything that he lost. Kitty ends up being supportive of him, and she wants to start a family, and then Magneto's like, hey... Colossus, uh, I get these new teams that you need to, uh, lead. And so that's why Katie and Colossus end up leading Generation Next until that team completely dies. The end. Good job, Colossus and Kitty. The second story is Man Bites Dog by Tony Bedard with Paco Medina on art, Juan Velasco on inks, Chris Sotomayor on colors, and Dave Sharp again on letters. Holocaust had gotten into a fight with Sabretooth and captured him. Holocaust tossed Sabretooth into a cell with Wild Child, who was pretty feral, and then I like to think that scene from Harvey Birdman happened, where it was just Philkin7 screaming, I am the alpha male to Augie Doggy Daddy. Yes. And so a few days later, Sabretooth is the alpha male, and they both bust out of jail. Or actually, the other way I always like to think of it, too, is from Escape from New York. I'm the Duke of New York, A number one. Uh, after that, we have the Shinjuku incident. Written by Larry Hama with with talent Caldwell on pencils, Matt Banning on inks, and Chris Sotomayor and Dave Sharp on colors and letters again, respectively. Mariko Yoshida is captured by Yakuza thugs because she's been messing with arcade machines. Weapon X ends up saving her. She wants to go back to sabotaging machines after that, and Weapon X says it's a bad idea. Silver Samurai, her cousin, shows up. Weapon X fights him and ends up letting him teleport away because he got beaten like a chump mm-hmm. and weapon x is like the easiest choice isn't always the right choice and that's that story but it's all because mariko had some real problems because she kept losing at mario party mario party was never an arcade game though it doesn't matter in japan it could have been i don't know it was not fine she They're got wrong, mad because she kept it. losing at street fighter there that works that works and then we have beginning at the end which was written by akira yoshida with Mark Brooks on pencils, Jamie Mendoza on inks, and Danimation on colors. 
And we find out that the Human High Council did drop those bombs on uh, New York City when all the X-Men were there, but they were stopped. Uh, Rogue and Quicksilver ended up giving Magneto the credit, and he really didn't want to accept it at first, and then he's like, ah, I guess I gotta do it. And then he fixes the Statue of Liberty, becomes a national hero, and Mr. Sinister shows back up, revealing that, oh, he knows what really happened. And also, Scott Summers apparently didn't die like we thought he did, which was a retcon because a bunch of fans were like, no, Havoc couldn't have killed Scott because he would have absorbed his powers. But if I recall, like, Scott Summers got shot in the back by Havoc. Yeah, he did. So, whatever. Their powers only counteract when they're both firing at each other at the same time. Well, no, they can absorb each other's powers. Yeah, but I think he has to, like, be, like, aware of it. It's very inconsistent. As is the mutants can absorb powers of, like, relatives. Which I've always thought is dumb, because it's like, yeah, because it's like your powers actually really aren't that similar. Mm-hmm. Now it's time for what happened to that person, Sugar Man. Sorry, really, Devin? Mm-hmm. Sugar Man escaped into the 616, but was sent 20 years back in time and ended up working with Dr. David Moreau, who worked in Genosha, where they were super racist and planned to make the mutants into Milo slaves. Also, Moreau renamed himself the Gene Engineer, who was taken down by the X, not to be confused with the animator, is pretty much the same thing, except he fought the new mutants and killed Cypher. Good. Aww. Got a link to that Jane Miles episode. Sugar Man continued to work in Genosha, Excalibur showed up looking for information on mutant bonding, and almost found out that he was involved. Nate Gray, who had also escaped the Age of Apocalypse, got involved with Sugar Man trying to catch him, but Dark Beast, who also wanted Nate Gray for his own reasons, ended up taking him over, and neither of them caught Nate Gray. Cable, who's like an alternative version of X-Man, except that his mom was Madeline Pryor, the clone of Jean Gray, who Mr. Sinister made, who got sent into the alternate future to work yeah, on yeah, killing yeah, Apocalypse. Let's wrap this up now, Luke. Okay. Uh, Cable tried to stop Sugar Man, Sugar Man got away. Sugar Man and Dark Beast decided that they both wanted to kill Bishop who had memories of each other from the Age of Apocalypse, but their plan once again fell through. Sugar Man ended up going back in time to the Age of Apocalypse where Nate Gray found him and this was the initial meeting where Nate Gray met Forge, the man who was a secondary father figure to him, and once again they stopped his plan to poison Niagara Falls. The Shi'ar ended up reaching out to Sugar Man because Holocaust, who had been stabbed with the Imkron Crystal, was leaking out energies of the Imkron Crystal and had a fragment of it in him, which was a holy blasphemy for the our empire. Holocaust, since he had gotten into the 616, had fought the Acolytes of Magneto, had been saved and rebuilt partially by Sebastian Shaw, teamed up with Onslaught, the evil psychic merger of Charles Xavier and Magneto, fought Nate Gray, and then he was captured by Sugar Man and the Shi'ar because of the energy leaking from him. Sugar Man also collected Nate Gray, Dark Beast, but Dark Beast, Nate Gray, and Holocaust convinced Sugar Man to free them, and then all the villains turned on one another. Holocaust lost the fragment, and they were all returned home. Sugar Man was sent back to Genosha, where he was destroyed by Cassandra Nova, the evil clone of Charles Xavier. Xavier with their army of evolving symbols oh, that were designed talking, to dude. And the island was destroyed because Magneto had tried to take over it, making it into a mutant paradise, which is actually the one spot where Negasonic Teenage Warhead, who you may remember from the movie Deadpool, had showed up, and unlike him... Yeah, no one really cares, Luke. Just, just wrap it up. The survivors tried to rebuild the island into a mutant paradise, and Sugar Man ran into Dark Beast again, and they came close to killing one another, but were interrupted by other mutants appearing. After M-Day, Sugar Man kept his powers and refused to help the Beast with fixing the mutants who had lost their powers. Hammer captured Sugar Man, but after it fell, he found Nate Gray being used as a power source to open portals to other realities, and he made new mutants out of the depowered mutants who became slaves, who he also used to power the machine, and sent to other worlds to scout. The new mutants found him while looking for Nate Gray, and he almost escaped into the Age of Apocalypse, but was brought back by Danielle Moonstar, only to later escape with the help of the Dark Beast. Back to the story. We are then covering X-Men Age of Apocalypse, numbers 1 through 6, written by Akira Yoshida, with Chris Bacalo on pencils, Tim Townsend and others on inks, Studio F's 
Edgar Delgado on colors, and Chris Eliopoulos on letters. So, Devin, do you remember Robert Kelly from the Kelly Pact? Yeah, he's that dude who turned into some blue sludge in that one X-Men movie that one time. But also, he was the guy who the Kelly Pact was named after. Which was the thing where it was like, hey, Apocalypse promises that he's not going to mutate on humans anymore. Super promise, guys. Apparently, he's also the only like politician that the X-Men actually know. Well, there's a few others, but... No, there's not. Not like, for the he, X-Men. He, well, he is a... The big name one, though, because of uh, God, or, well, not uh, from Days of Future Past. I want to know what government he represents. None of the other, like, superheroes ever seem to recognize him as a politician. I don't remember off the top of my head. And uh, he basically wants everyone to trust mutants now, and he also wants to make sure they know that he is not under mind control. Magneto, who's the acting director of Mutant Affairs, as we saw in the Exiles last week, shows up and he's like, hey, we can capture the evil mutants now who work for Apocalypse. The X-Men this time are Nightcrawler, Gambit, Storm, Sunfire, and Wolfsbane. And they go in to take down the Hellions, who are normally students of Emma Frost when she's still evil. And they kill them on live TV. Woohoo! It's sort of like what the New Warriors wanted to do, except they don't end up causing the Stanford incident. Well, that's because they were more powerful. To be fair, this time it was the opposite. It was full-grown, super-powered adults beating the shit out of little children. I guess. So Magneto goes home to his loving wife, Rogue, and their son, Charles. Silver Samurai, who's a new member of the X-Men, is concerned about what makes good and bad mutants and the morality of basically arresting people for doing what they had to do to survive in the Age of Apocalypse. Which is a complicated issue, but it's also like, uh... There's a point where you can fight back casually, or you can at least not assist with genocide. I was going to say, you could at least become like a cyclops, if you're going to pull that shit. But when you're being like a sugar man, you need to go down. Gotta stop evil testicles. He is Scott Summers, not an Alex Summers. Yep. And Magneto's like, oh, well, I accepted these experiments, like our new members, Wolfbane, Zorn, and Beak. And Zorn does not look like normal 616 Zorn, which... To be fair, when does Zorn ever look like any Zorn? And Beak does not look like Beak at all. I was going to say, I did not recognize Beak until they name dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we find out that there is this thing called the Bishop Treaty, where it's basically like, oh yeah, everyone who's involved with the Age of Apocalypse is going to get a fair trial. <laughs> and Magneto is, Magneto is brooding about uh, Mr. Sinister. Magneto and the X-Men try to reach out to the Morlocks, who don't trust the humans, and they get into a fight which goes poorly for Magneto and Zorn because they both end up getting hurt, and Magneto wonders if his dream is possible because humans don't really trust the team, and mutants don't really trust the team. So they're and they also put the Morlocks down like dogs, but... Are you saying they're not dogs? Well, they kind of are, but... Except for Wolfsbane's on their team, so actually she's the real dog. She's a wolf. Yeah, that's true. But that's part of the canine family. Meanwhile, a mysterious traveler has been tracking through Canada after Weapon X, and it turns out to be his daughter, Kariko, who's also known as X-23, and she was sent to bring him back on the team for revenge reasons. Hooray! She's got Wolverine claws that were bonded with adamantium by Magneto, and then the two of them end up going to beat up Northstar and Aurora, who had been former enforcers of Mr. Sinister. And fun fact, Devin, are you ready for fun fact time? Sure. So in the month that this issue came out, Northstar also died in the 616 universe and the X-Men The End universe. And he was also the one of the prominent few gay characters. So, like, killing him off in three universes, including a mainstream one, in a single month, 
not necessarily the best choice to look at, at least retrospectively. Um, well, I disagree with that. Maybe for killing the 616, but he's going to die in the other ones. The end is where the entire world universe dies. But and then like this is Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, anyway. he's a person who he is a big enough of a character that you notice when he dies. But not such a big character that you can't continue like their stories if you're not focusing on him. And also, this is evil. What's his name? And he needs to go down. Meanwhile, the X-Men are playing football. A mutant warning signal goes off. And the Guthrie siblings show up. And if you remember, they are the people who preferred Alex Summers to Scott Summers. So they are evil and also the worst. Uh, you have Sam, who is Cannibal, who can launch himself like a human rocket. And he was nine vulnerable while blasting. There's Elizabeth, who is known as Amazon, who can change her size. And Josh, who has wings and the same as having sex in one of those really bad Chuck Austin X-Men stories. Uh, they end up getting into a fight, and it quickly turns against them, because three people versus all the X-Men is not a fair fight. Meanwhile, back in the mansion, Zorn reveals herself to be Paige Guthrie. Colossus had left her to die back in Generation Next, and she is able to capture Rogue and Charles. The X-Men tried to reason with her, but it does not work, and... It turns out that she only survived because she was the one person who, like, the rebellion group took prisoner instead of killing, which is dumb. I agree. <sighs> uh, Psylocke, who is strangely Asian in this universe, because, like, Betsy Braddock and Quanon normally have that whole mind swap thing. Basically, uh, she... Betsy Braddock is always Asian pretty much in every universe that is not the 616. Or that wasn't, like... Excalibur pre mind swap. Mm -hmm. uh, she ends up showing, or she ends up showing up to free Charles, who then Nightcrawler teleports away with. Magneto and Sunfire arrive. They kill all the Guthries except for Paige, and then Rogue fights her. But uh, X twenty three ends up getting the killing shot in, and Paige mentions that she's working for Mister Sinister and wanted to collect Charles as a way to control Magneto. And everyone is reasonably pissed off that Magneto that knew that Mister Sinister was alive. And it's also revealed that Jean Grey had actually saved the world, and now Sinister has her as well. Uh, Weapon X almost kills Magneto because hey, that's his wife. So they talk about the deal that Sinister made with Magneto to keep it secret. Sinister was like, yeah, I'm going to let you uh, keep living with this lie. You do what I say. And if you don't, well, I'll reveal it. And in exchange, you're also going to have to help me if I ever need your help. And you're also not going to search for me. The team decide to save Jean Grey from Mr. Sinister. They go back to his lab in New York. Which, like, they made a point of having that destroyed in uh, the, like, Alex and Main Scott series. series. Yeah. So, like, that's a bit of bullshit, but whatever. And then they run into Mr. Sinister and his team, the Sinister Six, which are Cloak, Dagger, Jean Grey, and then Sauron and Teresa Cassidy, who were last seen in X-Men. And there's also an unnamed sixth person there who never gets a name. Oh, yeah, there is a sixth person, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, Weapon X tries to talk to Jean with no avail. Sinister explains that he wanted mutant alpha, which is what Jean was, where she has, like, super mutant energy. He wanted Jean, and the whole stuff with making the Magneto deal was really to just keep Magneto away while he could resurrect Jean and turn her evil. Sinister Six gets defeated. Weapon X tried to save Jean, but Quicksilver, Magneto's son, and Gambit die. Sinister is, like, about to die, and then Weapon X and X-23 are allowed to kill him. And then Magneto decides to reveal what really happened. 
He somehow gets sent to fucking jail, and Jean takes over the X-Men school, and Silver Samurai and X-23 return to New Japan. I don't think Magneto should have gone to jail. I don't either. It's like, what did, what did he do that was so wrong? Uh, he accepted credit for stopping bombs, but like... But, be, but like, big deal. Like, there's nothing illegal of what he did. He also united the mutants and prevented there from being a war. Yeah, and like, yeah, like, his own son died, and then... Like, another person died, but it was just like... Oh, yeah, Gambit did make it back up. But, yeah, it was just, like, not enough happened. Well, well like, Gambit reappears in the next X-Men series only to die again. That's, well, I mean, it's true. But, yeah, but it was like there wasn't, like, enough that it happened that you could have done anything. What happened to that person? Dark Beast. So, Dark Beast escaped the Age of Apocalypse and ended up 20 years in the past in the Morlock Tunnels, where a young Emma Frost helped to restore some of his memories, which led to him creating the Morlocks, sort of. Mr. Sinister found out that someone had been using his theories because Dark Beast had stolen them from the alternate universe Mr. Sinister, so he ended up killing most of the Morlocks in an event known as Mutant Massacre, which ironically led to Angel becoming Archangel, the servant of Apocalypse, who yeah, ended yeah, up yeah. becoming... Uh, Dark Beast later replaced the real Beast, killed his childhood friends and people who he knew, except that he could not kill his parents, and then he ran around continuing to impersonate Beast until he ran into Onslaught, who was able to read his mind. Here, he went on to try and capture Generation X, led an iteration of the Brotherhood of Mutants, and joined Xavier's X-Men, and remained powered after M-Day. He offered to assist the 616 Beast in curing the mutant extinction, but he ended up poisoning Lewis, one of the Guthrie siblings, to find out what happened. Beast ended up turning against him because he intended to kill even more of the Guthrie siblings to try and figure out why the Guthries end up being mutants so often. Dark Beast ended up being recruited as a member of the Dark X-Men because Norman Osborn wanted his own team of mutants, even though most of the mutants on the team were not actually mutants, like Mimic, who is a mutate, and Cloak and Dagger, who are not actually mutants, even though their current continuity is really confused. It's true. Yeah. During that time, he tries to develop the Omega Machine, which is supposed to depower mutants, but the X-Force attacks, trying to save one of the separate cuckoos who had been taken for experimentation, and he barely escapes, later on witnessing the return of Nate Gray. Dark Beast then tried to turn a bunch of people into copies of the Lizard, but he was stopped by Spider-Man and the X-Men, and he ended up in the raft. Hooray! And that's what happened to Dark Beast. And then we have Uncanny X-Force, sort of numbers 10 through 19. Uh, which were written by Rick Amender with a number of teams including Billy Tan, Rich Ellison, Paul Monts, Clayton Cowles, Andrew Curry, Mark Brooks, Dean White, Corey Petit, Mark Brooks and Scott Eden, Andrew Hennessy and Andrew Curry, Dean White, and then and Jerome Opina. A.K.A. this is actually honestly one of the best storylines ever written. Yeah, it is a really, really good storyline. I'm not a big Remender guy, but Uncanny X-Force is really, really good. I am a big reminder guy, so Uncanny X-Force is even better. Uh, so Archangel, who uh, had previously been Angel until he got his wings ripped off. A.K.A. Good Angel, because no one cares about normal Angel. He had gotten turned into the Horseman of Death, and we find out that if Apocalypse is going to die, uh, the next Horseman of Death is usually set to become the new Apocalypse. And so as he's becoming more and more evil because they killed Apocalypse in, like, the first arc of the story, Wolverine's secret team of X-Men, which includes Angel, uh, the team is known as X-Force, uh, they are ready to save him. X-Force consists of Wolverine, Psylocke, Phantom X, Deadpool, Archangel, and sometimes Deathlock. And so they decide to go break out Dark Beast, who suggests that they go into the Age of Apocalypse, and that is what they do. So, ten years have passed since Mr. Sinister fell, and 
For some reason, we now have this group called the uh, Master Akaba Soldiers who are now patrolling the world, and it went straight back to Super Dystopia, which I like, actually. Like, here it's done really well. Like, apparently the Celestials came back and were like, Hey, uh, you guys killed Apocalypse, and we really wanted him to, uh, you know, work for us. So, let's, let's, let's get that whole Apocalypse shit going again. Oh, yeah. X-Force end up going into Dark Beast's lab, and they get the Life Seed, which is needed to cure Archangel, but Nightcrawler from the Age of Apocalypse universe ends up stealing it, and they're all really confused because Nightcrawler thinks they may be clones of the Dark Beast, and everyone else is like, oh man, I'm really sad that our Nightcrawler is dead. Too bad that he got an arm shoved through his chest when he tried porting. Bad times all around. Uh, the team ends up chasing him, where they run into Sabretooth and Wildchild, and because the X-Men think that the X-Force are clones, Sunfire ends up destroying the Life Seed, and then Psylocke and Sabretooth meet, and they're like, oh, hey, remember when we were on Exiles together? And Devin's like, wait, they're on Exiles together? Wait, they're on Exiles? Spoilers, Luke. Yep. Uh, Dark Beast gets the hell out of there, and they go on to meet the other X-Men, uh, Magneto and Jean Grey. I guess Magneto got out of jail in those ten years. Uh, Wolverine's got complicated emotions because here's a Jean Grey who actually is attracted to him and wants to have sex with him. And then a Samurai Sentinel attacks and X-Force and X-Men who are currently Gambit, who is somehow not dead, Jean Grey, Iceman, X-23, Magneto, Nightcrawler, Rogue, Sabretooth, Silver Samurai, Sunfire, and Wild Child. I wish I have a theory on how Gambit's still alive again, though. Well, because Salak was restoring all the memories of the actual teens, so if they're all just brainwashed... Cloak could have just brought Gambit back out. Okay, whatever. Because, I mean, it's just to a different dimension. I don't think it, like, kills them in there or anything. He, he's going to die again. I mean, yeah. Uh, so they use their MODOK computer to find more life seeds in the Celestial Gardener, which is the ship that the Celestial was used to advance worlds. But they also still need to get X-Force back home, so they're going to have to break into two teams and free Gateway. Psylocke, who loves Archangel, doesn't want to give up on him. And Wolverine's team ends up getting sent to the prison, where they end up running into the Black Legion, who are awesome. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I remember the first time, like, reading this issue, and it ends with, like, the appearance of the Black Legion. It's like, oh, these are really cool people. I mean, you have Blob, who's just the Blob, but then you have, like, Beta Red, Demon Ock, Grim Chamber, Iron Ghost, Manphibian, Orange Hulk, White Cloak, and a zombie version of the Sentry. And... Weapon X ends up turning out to be the new bearer of the Mantle of Apocalypse, and he kills his daughter, X-23. Mm-hmm. The secondary team ends up finding the Life Seed, Gambit dies again, and Jean confronts Weapon X, who really just wants to make her his new version of death. Uh, Iceman ends up quitting the team, and Gateway is saved, taking the team to Weapon X's base, where he beats the hell out of him. Gene uh, escapes, Wolverine and X-Force head back to their own universe with the Life Seed, but then it immediately gets taken by Archangel, who's now Apocalypse, and he has his horsemen with him, which includes Genocide, who is the 616 version of Holocaust, who originally showed up in something called the Stark Files something like 10 years earlier. Uh, X-Force is really messed up, and they're forced to flee, but Psylocke stays behind because she wants to reach Archangel, and meanwhile Genocide destroys a town to test out the Life Seed with Dark Beast, who use something called the world, which is like a sort of 
portable dimension to test evolve a planet in 24 hours where like 24 million years pass by and this is what they're planning on doing to the entire world. X-Force ends up confronting the Horsemen and they barely win this time. Archangel and Dark Beast get a death seed since the Horseman death died in the battle with the X-Men and Psylocke is going to become the new death. More fighting happens. Psylocke becomes death. Iceman betrays the team. As the teams fight, Phantom X brings in the X-Men from the Age of Apocalypse. Jean ends up saving Psylocke from becoming death but can't stop Archangel because the Phoenix Force is pretty much like, oh, uh, yeah, I really don't want to actually stop this whole evolution stuff, so... Oh, yeah, totally. So Psylocke and Phantom X are the only people who can fight Archangel. Sunfire is trying to hold in the energies that are going to roast everyone on the surface world to death, and he ends up dying doing that. And also, Wildchild dies somewhere in the battle. Phantom X releases his own clone of Apocalypse, Evan Sabanur, who he had raised on a virtual farm set in Kansas to go into the whole nature versus nurture debate. Phantom X murders a child version of Apocalypse and feels really bad about doing so. So he's like, hey, I'm going to make a new version of Apocalypse so that I don't feel like such a dick. And then he basically gives him the good old-fashioned Superman lifestyle. Which ends up working. And he gets to be Uncle Custer. Cluster. Yes. So Evan ends up fighting Archangel long enough that Psylocke is able to impale him with a life seed. And as he's dying, she ends up having that psychic projection of the life that she wishes they could have had together. The horsemen flee, and Angel now has super amnesia, but he's good again. Evan and Angel get sent to the Jean Grey school. The Age of Apocalypse X-Men return home, except for Nightcrawler, who wants to hunt the other Age of Apocalypse refugees. And Kitty Pride and Beast are really unhappy to learn about the existence of X-Force. But now, here, we're going to have what happened to these people, because I want to do one. What happened... To Age of Apocalypse Iceman. Well, you see, Nightcrawler actually managed... He's the only person that Nightcrawler actually ends up managing to kill from the Age of Apocalypse. And they have an intense battle until Nightcrawler picks Iceman up and chucks him into a furnace where he melts instantly. And, so, and Nightcrawler's like, fuck you. Bunch of baby ducks, send them to the moon. Evil Iceman, send them to the furnace. Basically. And now, what happened to that person, Nate Gray? Nate Gray ended up escaping into the world where he started having up, his own up, adventures. Up, and... Luke. Yeah, we're done. Nate Gray's oh. dead. People, the end. Oh, but he was pretty cable. Uh, we then have Uncanny X Force nineteen point one because they were doing these point one issues for a while. The best is when they get into point ones where they were like completely useless, such as like Uncanny X Force number. 4.1 because lord knows you would have no idea what was going on if you'd missed that those first four issues this was written by rick remender with art by billy tan colors by jose villarubia letters by vc's Corey petite and we now have a new team of humans including william Stryker, whose code name is prophet and he's pretty much just like a super actuary mm -hmm. so he's really good at like reading things uh gateway and silver samurai died off page and he ends up meeting with Jean Grey and Sabretooth, and they both head to the Vestry, which is the last human city. Inside, Fiend, who is the daughter of Bolivar and Moira Trask, who's also named Francesca. She's taking Magneto and Rogue to a lab where Dr. Moreau, remember the Jean Engineer from the Earth 616? It's another version of him. He's made clones of Wanda because he heard that uh, she was able to remove the mutant stuff from all the mutants in the 616, so he wants to do it here. The Black Legion shows up to try and stop him, 
Gene is pretty much able to defeat them single-handedly. And then Weapon Omega, which is now Weapon X's Apocalypse version, shows up. He kills Rogue Magneto. Jean uses Wanda's powers, but it ends up only turning herself and Sabretooth human because she didn't have enough energy. Womp womp. Yep. And they escape, and Weapon Omega destroys the vestry. And see, here's the thing. This was like such a kick-ass point one issue. Like, it's like, damn, this could be a cool series because I liked what was going on here. And then it all kind of falls apart. Yeah, I I have a wrong creative team here. Uh, for I was gonna say Remender did not series. do this one. Remender wipes his hands clean. Yeah, uh, Age of Apocalypse was a 14 issue series written by David Lapham, and I don't have the rest of the creative team here. But it is not good. Like I rarely will fully write off a series, except this time I will definitely do that because. Like, it goes off the rails in a bad way. Because mm-hmm. it's now focusing on the humans who have captured Sabretooth and Jean Grey and who are trying to stop Apocalypse. But they, like, there's cloning the mutants who had died before and, like, a bunch of other stuff that... It's just not good. Do you want to have a series where, like, Jean Grey uh, hooks up with Graydon Creed, the racist son of Sabretooth? Because if you do, that's uh, not good. Do you want a series that ignores that Donald Pierce had been an evil cyborg working for Apocalypse? Because if you do, here's that series. It, it's just like grim and gritty and dour and not fun. And I'm disappointed that once again I bought the uh, trade so I could read it before seeing the X-Men Apocalypse movie. Because it was not worth it. Shit, you bought the trade? Damn, son, you fucked up. Well, uh, the first one was only $5, so... Oh, okay. But yeah, it's something where you're better off just reading the Wikipedia summary. But, like, if we were the type of people to ignore continuity, we'd ignore the continuity here, correct? Pretty much. Like, honestly, it can all just end right here with 19.1. Weapon Omega destroyed the world, along with Wolverine going all crazy. He destroys the Vestry, bam, humans are dead. Wolverine wins. He pops his claws to make himself feel big. Whoop whoop. Well, it does get into a crossover later on with uh, two other series, including Extreme X-Men. And we'll cover what happened then, but the important thing is at the end, Jean Grey is able to stop wolverine and uh all of his energy gets absorbed into a machine hooray but now we're gonna play trials of the multiverse this uh the second part of age of apocalypse is going low well it depends what are you basing everything off of what do you mean what am i basing everything off of if it's just this mini series, the, like, the six-issue miniseries, yeah, that wouldn't be as high. But then if we're also basing it off of Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force, then it would go super high. But we're also basing it on the Age of Apocalypse series that well, came out. I didn't finish reading it, so I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. Uh, you can't do that, though, Devin. You cannot I'm, do that. I believe I came up with my own interpretive ending, and then Weapon Omega destroyed the world, and everyone was happy. The end. Yeah, that... Okay, but Devin, you're saying it's so bad that you didn't want to recognize what actually happened, that you made your own universe? Mm Mm-hmm. So, if it's that bad, we have to rank it as being that bad. Fine. 
I'd put this right under Age of Ultron. See, I would disagree only because I think the stuff before it came was good enough where I do not agree with that for Age of Ultron. Well, would you put it above Age of Ultron? Yes, definitely. Would you put it above Mutant X? I don't know. I didn't read that. You read that. Yeah. Mutant X also, like, shit the bed with a lot of uh, 80s X-Men stuff that it tried to make good. Uh, I'll, I'll move it right under, uh, like, there's stuff that I really love. But then they just sandblasted that all away with the Age of Apocalypse series. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, the ball's in your court now, Marvel. Make a new series to redeem this shit. Well, they did. There was the uh, Secret Wars. No, that's different. That wasn't the same, though. Yeah, it was close I'm talking like in the same. I'm talking like in the same like vein. Well, I think if they were going to do that, I'd want it to be an actual like sequel to the original Age of Apocalypse and not the stuff that came after the Age of Apocalypse, because none of that really lived up to it. No, it didn't. Okay, so then we're going to have this as our new number 285, Earth 295.2, Age of Apocalypse follow-up stories. And do you know what we're covering next week, Devin? Age of Apocalypse? Uh, sort of. We are going to be doing three what-if issues, the two what-if Age of Apocalypse stories, and then the What If Inferno story, because Jane Miles had been covering Inferno over at their podcast. So I figure we will jump onto that as we are almost done talking about Age of Apocalypse forever until we get into the Secret Wars. X-Men Inferno is a good storyline, so that'll be a good What If issue, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do the wrap-up. Multiverse Q is a weekly podcast. You can find out more about us at multiverseq.com. We have a Patreon where if you back it, you will get the original version of this episode that I recorded by myself. That's something like 15 minutes shorter. Because I Micro Machines read through the entire episode. Uh, also, if you go there, you can get bonus movie discussions with me and Shannon from Struchi Movies where we talk about Captain America Civil War and other things. And you know what's awesome? Shannon backs the podcast, so you can too. It's only a dollar a month or up. Uh, other important stuff is uh, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, MZ. Uh, thank you to Xavier Files, who pointed out another issue that had been in the podcast, and for linking over to Multiversal Q. Uh, where can people find you on the Twitter, Devin? You can find me at, at Fredo Fett. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And Luke, where can people find you? I am online at Coltrek. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. We will see you next week as we finally get done with the Age of Apocalypse. Because I am so tired of this Age of Apocalypse. Pretty much. This one's for Hank. Hank. <laughs>